Hey guys, um, hope you're enjoying the podcast as always. Uh, obviously, I'm sure if you're following me on social, you know about this, but if you don't, I am doing Tea with Gary V. Uh, I've been doing it for about a month. It's been remarkable. Uh, if you're not following it, you're making a huge mistake. 9 a.m. Eastern time during this uh, crisis, we're doing some incredible stuff. Please check it out. Tea with Gary V. Live on all my social platforms every morning at 9 a.m. Twitter is definitely the place that you can't miss it. Uh, in general, I think if you're not following me on Twitter, it's a huge mistake. Gary V-E-E on Twitter. Check it out. This is the Gary V. Audio Experience. Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the co-founders of Empathy Wines. And we are tasting the new Empathy Wines 2019 with uh, with one of the uh, individuals that is so integral to the success. This gentleman right there, Mr. Tom Merwin. Pretty excited about that. Uh, he'll be joining us shortly and some others from the Empathy community. If you are not part of the Empathy family, empathywines.com right now, we would love for you to join us. Uh, please become a club member where you get a subscription of our beautiful white, our red comes out in the fall, and the rosé comes later. We have a whole system. You might have also um, seen uh, yesterday that we um, transacted on this business. Um, Empathy Wines was sold to Constellation Brands yesterday. You might have seen some of the headlines, and that is uh, pretty exciting for John, Nate, and um, Stu, Nor and the rest of the team. Uh, big transaction in my career, and we're really excited about that. And so uh, the timing, this was scheduled for quite a while. The announcement schedule wasn't, uh, for, was very fluid given the uh, world we live in, COVID, this, that, and the other thing. So um, really fun timing for me as well from the business side and from the wine side. Dustin is here. Dustin, can you say hello? Hello. <laughs> hello. Uh, yes, Edgar, this does sell in California, but it's a direct-to-consumer. You can't get it in stores and restaurants, so empathywines.com. Dustin, uh, how are you? Excellent. Good. Do we have our guests lined up? Yep. Tom is ready to roll, right, and so, so is everyone else. Awesome. Let's get Tom in here. Cool. Tom. How's it going? Cheers, brother. Cheers. A celebratory cheers for you, I guess. Good a timing. A double cheers for me, no question. Why don't you tell uh, everybody about yourself? One of the, as you know, and we're very grateful to have the partnership with you, one of the big factors in this um, project, and I think you know this, there's, there's, we've seen in the wine world, people come along, start brands with extremely super uber famous or leveraged vineyards, and they're trying to siphon the leverage. One of the reasons we started this was we wanted to give some of the best growers, farmers that we loved, uh, even a bigger platform. You don't see a whole lot of people doing stuff like this in our world. Um, so I'm very humbled for you to be here and and really hope that the Empathy Project can help your business, to be frank. Oh, totally. So just a little bit of background about myself. I'm a seventh generation farmer in the greater Sacramento say, say, region. Say, say that one more time. I'm a seventh generation farmer outside and my niece it will be the eighth if she decides to... Uh, decides to be a farmer uh, in the greater Sacramento area. And we, we've we been farming in the Clarksburg region, which is an AVA, an American viticulture area, for over 100 years. So uh, I, I did something you probably have advised many, many, many of your followers to do a, a little over a year ago. I direct messaged Empathy Wines via Instagram and said, hey, I love what you guys are doing. And if there is ever any way for me to be a part of this brand in supplying grapes, uh, Chardonnay and Chenin Blanc, I'd, I'd just love to be a part of it. 
don't. And now I'm here and you've, uh, you and your team have done an excellent job at, at doing something extremely different in the wine industry. I appreciate that. Let's talk about that actually, because I know the majority of the people that are watching it. We're team, don't worry, I'll go into like really breaking down the white. Um, Tom's grapes are very involved in this white uh, and I'll let him speak about that. But what you did with the DM is actually extremely important because I know I would argue 80% of this audience follows, is watching this right now because they're more of a business mindset. They're not here to get wildly educated on the breakdown of Empathy White. So this this actually makes this session even more exciting for me because I think we can help a lot of people, which is really my true passion. Um, how long have you followed me? And then, uh, go ahead. Joe, just, uh, I mean, for just you, your personal brand, probably, you know, five or six years. How and old I, are I, you? Uh, I'm 37. I'm 37 years old. Right, so when I started Wine Library TV, you were third, your seventh generation, so it was in the DNA, but you didn't know of me when I was doing Wine Library TV. Were you on YouTube at that time? Did that hit? I had, I had seen, I had seen the videos, but it hadn't really. I mean, to be honest, my passion for wine itself hadn't clicked, clicked. yet. So you know, but once I did the research, dug a little bit deeper, it's you know, somebody providing such valuable content, uh, while all the while helping their family business. I, I, I felt a connection. Clicked. There. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So, so. So more recently on the business stuff, some of the other stuff, da da da, and so literally you DM'd empathy. Totally, that's I, I did that, and literally two minutes later, I got a response back, and the like three or four days later, met with the winemaker, uh, and then after that, uh, had your team come out visit the vineyards, and this is before I, I even sold you a, a ton of grapes, and uh, start and started flying from there. So, and look it's, at this, uh, look at this, John oh, Troutman, John's awesome. Up. John's awesome, man. When he when he called me uh, to let me know about your guys' big news, I was extreme. It was you could hear the excitement in his voice, and I was excited for him and you guys. It's it's awesome. Dustin or John, Nate, nor any of the characters here on video with us. Uh, Nate was in here, but now he left. <laughs> was he just checking up on you, like to make sure you knew what the hell you're doing? Oh wait, I think he's back. Uh, Nate, can you turn your video on? And here we go. There he is. <laughs> There's my handsome partner in crime, Nate. How's it Nate, going? How are you? I'm doing well. Say what's up to Tom. Tom, how's it going? Doing great. It's uh, it's July. We're getting close closer to harvest. How you feeling right. about this vintage, Tom? So it's funny you mentioned that. This is this is a it's it's a drier vintage, and for our wine region, that's actually a good thing. So disease pressures are extremely low. There's no no issues at all in the vineyards right now. And with this dry, this drier climate that we're going to have uh, harvest, I mean, anything could change. It's farming, it's an open air casino. Uh, you know, I think that we're on track to have, have a great, especially for the Chenin Blanc and Chardonnay that, that, that I grow for you guys. I think it's going to be an awesome vintage. Awesome. Very concentrated, very powerful and a lot of flavor. Oh, look at Trouty in the building. John didn't want to be left out. <laughs> I, was, I was party. I always want to join I think you wanted to join because Tom was giving you huge accolades and you wanted to get some extra love. It's funny when uh, when I'm being critiqued, yeah, I can never be found. Yeah, I mean, when in these business meetings through the last decade, John, when you've done a big problem, all of a sudden, weirdly, you're on the cape and like the service doesn't work and we can't talk to you for a week. But sure enough, a single fucking compliment and you're on screen within a second. Sorry, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> Tom, tell... Uh, Tell uh, tell everybody who's watching to give you a little bit more love. Uh, 
where you know where your wines can be found, like where what where your what wines your grapes are in, if you can disclose that or different yeah, things. Totally. You know, obviously from a farming standpoint, not everybody here can come and support, but is is where, totally. where can they support? Besides yeah. everybody's watching right now, if you are not signed up for empathy, just so you know, because somebody sent me a uh they unsubscribed from their empathy subscription and said, Gary, great run. I was really just doing this to support you now that you sold the company. And I replied, no, 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 no. We have a lot of the back end numbers we have to hit for this to get really good. You want me to buy the Jets? I need you to double up your subscription. So if you're confused right now and you're on a three or a six or even a 12 subscription, I need you to bump, bump, bump. If, if you love the wine, if you buy wine anyway, you buy wine anyway at 20 bucks, then I want you. If you don't buy wine, you don't need to do that. If you buy wine for gifts and clients. Uh, by the way, Nate, I don't know if you heard the story. A real estate agent reached out to me. John, you too. Uh, a real estate agent reached out to me, give it, you know, wanted the support, bought the 12 bottle subscription, started giving out the wines, and won, won like a business account because they came to the office because the person was a Gary B fan, saw the empathy, got the business, and the commission on the house supposedly, she, she, the person made a That's mistake amazing. and told me how much the commission was, and I said, Look, <laughs> I need 50% of that now in 88 I'm, subscriptions of empathy. I'm, I'm gonna need that name to follow up on. Yeah. So Tom, I'm sorry to side road because that's just how. That's why I got D's and F's in school. Yeah. What, uh, what, what, how can people support you? Yeah, so uh, well, you can find my grapes directly that I'm allowed to disclose, and I'm also a business partner and founder of the company at, at fellowwines.com. So it's a 100% Clarksburg AVA brand. Uh, founded by myself and two friends and doing, doing, trying to aspire to be, be hit half your target. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, talk to us about the vineyard and, and what, and, and, and John, obviously we're very close to this one uh, on the way. Like, let's talk about like, what's, what do we, what's in, what's in here? Yeah, it's uh so 50% of the, uh, the blend is Chenin Blanc, which, uh, which Tom uh, provided for us. Thank you, Troy Hooper. Just yep. bought three, bought all three, three pack. I enjoy that. If anybody orders right now, claim it. We'll triple check. If we, we'll give you a shout out, but if we double check and you're not in the system, um, we're gonna shame you, shame you in perpetuity. <laughs> and and Nate is looking at the back end right now, so I'm typing. So he's gonna look for orders to come in here. Empathywines.com. Let's do that. Okay, go ahead, Johnny. Uh, so yeah, fifty percent of the blend is Chenin Blanc. Which Tom, is that fair to say that uh, Clarksburg is is kind of uh, holds its hat a lot on Chenin Blanc on the white side of things. Totally. If you talk to sommeliers from around the world, they would say that, uh, you know, outside of the Loire region of France, Clarksburg is one of the premier uh, wine regions in the world for, for Chenin Blanc. And if you go to go look up some old wine library episodes, you know, Gary talks a lot about Chenin Blanc. So. A fan. Yep. And then, uh, another 25% of the blend is Chardonnay, which Tom also supplies for us. Um, gives it a little bit of that weight and texture and um that i think a lot of people like in their white wines even if they they don't know that they do um and then the other 25 percent being vna um which we get from bokish over in lodi not far away and what uh nate what how do you think about this wine compared to last year's white or in general i mean obviously all three of us have been so deep for almost nine months on this you know, it's been a long time on this, on this consolation deal. You know, how did you navigate like giving a shit about the wine while working on the biggest transaction of your business life? Um, 
Tommy like this? I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm like, I do. I'm like I do. grilling these guys like I'm on fucking CNBC or something. It's funny the throughout the process, especially with everything going on in the world, which was a whole other stressor yeah. for many reasons. You know, it felt like I had three jobs. One was um, running empathy. One was working on the deal, and then as the deal was getting closer, it was kind of starting to integrate with Constellation. Uh, while there was these other other things going on in the world, so it was a extremely stressful three months. Robert asked, um, thank you. Keep going. Sorry. I mean, yeah, two, extremely two years, stressful two three months. Running, but Nate, two years running, case member, Robert. I mean, oh. we need to. You know, we got to give Robert a shout out. I like how Dustin puts up the the comment that says Moscato gets oh, me girls. Uh, Dustin, come on, baby. They, they scroll up. So I, I know. <laughs> Listen, ask, put SFK's right. Moscato gets his gets him the girls. I I respect that. I, I know Robert. I've seen that name for for the well, past couple of years with his support. Can you say thank you, Nate? I mean, <laughs> Robert. <laughs> I actually like you're you're one of the few names that is very familiar to me. So thank you for the support since the I think since the very beginning. Thank you, Robert, so much. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, if we can get Robert on here before this episode ends, I'm into it. Cool. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was a wild few months. Wild. Garrett Glenn, thank you for just ordering. Tom, what uh you know, what um what what's exciting for you right now in general? Like like are you kind of like really in it now? Like uh, you, you're such a cliche story, like seventh generation like every generation from the second one to the you, the seventh one was like at 13, 14 being like, I'm not gonna be in this fucking bullshit wine business. I'm gonna be a rock and roll star. <laughs> you know, like, like, and then like you, this which happens quite often, you realize, oh, wait a minute, this is epic. It's actually in your terroir. It's in your DNA. And then that really fun moment starts where you're like in that phase two. Okay, you got into it. Now you're kind of into it, into it. Are you cut knowing your age and just even oh, taking yeah, your vibes? Um, are you there right now? Oh, I'm there. It's, you know, I'm president of our Corksburg Wine Grape Growers and Vendors Association. Uh, so taking a leadership role in, in, in our wine community. Uh, and, and for us, our end game isn't, you know, successful as a personal farm. It's more about getting the Clarksburg wine name out there and, and getting the public to recognize that, hey, this is a great wine growing region. And uh, we could do things that a lot of people would assume we can't do with wine. And as you, I mean, as you guys have seen with our grapes. Trouty, what, what what most took you aback when you were tasting through some of the components? So I think I wanted to really like the grape and really like the uh, the juice that he was supplying because he reached out to us on Instagram. And so he had that deck stacked against him or stacked for him. Um, but I think with the Shannon in general, the, the wines are just super, super delicious. Um, tons of acidity. Um, and yet they have a lot of complexity, a lot of fruit juicy. Um, and then the Chardonnay, I think dollar for dollar is just incredible. Um, you know, when you compare that to a lot of Chardonnay from, you know, down in Sonoma or what it might be dollar for dollar, it's incredible. Looking at the time, Tom, what, what website can people find you? What's the best plug we can give you before we bounce you out of here in your beautiful face? The, be the best plug would be visit fellowwines.com and that'd be it. Is this right? If you're looking at it, gonna... that's right. That is exactly right. All right everybody yeah. Check that out. Tom, thank you for being a part of this story. Really. Thank you. Excited yeah, for you. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. And if I can be a help to you, these guys have thank you. It's, it's just Gary at VaynerMedia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Have a good right, one. John, Nate, I know we weren't planning on having you here, but I really enjoy razzing and joking and buddying with I'll you I'll stick around to be razzed. I'm going to buy some wine from fellow wine right now, though. 
That's very nice. All right, let's move. Uh, let's move into our first guest, Dustin. We have some wine questions. Hey, Gary, how's it going? I mean, Nate. Nate, do you go by Nate or Nathaniel or what do you go you, by? You can call me Nat. Do you go by Nat? Awesome, Nat. Real pleasure. Say hello to John and Nate. John, Nate, what's up? how you doing? What's up, Nat? I'm good. Congrats, everybody! Huge news Thank yesterday. You. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, brand like Constellation, even with you know Corona in their portfolio, you know that's awesome, man. So good stuff. Thank you. So one thing I was curious about is, you know, year to year, how do you decide like how much of each grape goes into each blend, and you know, like from year to year, what determines like the variation of change that you put into that? So this is a farming product, and uh, you know, obviously, since I had a lot to do with the architecture of the concept, I wanted to call it red, white, and rosé. Actually, this is fun. Let's get under the hood. Trout, you're really deep in the. Nate's a real good wine guy, but like you're a fucking. You're, you're a better wine guy than me. Let's just get, you know. No, let's uh, call a spade a spade. Yeah, let's call a spade a spade. When I, when I kind of like pitched the concept of like, we're gonna make a red, a white, a rosé, did, did you worry about that? Did, you, did, that hit, did that land with you right away? You know, Nat, my thought was, it's a farming product. We don't own a vineyard. We're gonna use my leverage, my relationships, my gravitas, serendipity, like we just had with Tom, to right. find the best vineyards, the best farmers. And if one year the red is 100% Pinot Noir, because it's the greatest Pinot Noir vintage in California history, cool. If the next year it's a blend, I thought that would be fun. It would keep it fresh. But but Trout, Nate, John, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, can, Dustin, could you please change John's name to Trout or Trouty? Like, I don't, uh, nobody. Like, You're John. Like, John. Um, anyway, um, Trout, did did that land with you, or were you more like, you know, did that, or do you even do you like it even now? Like, where were you at with that concept? So probably the first twenty four hours or forty eight hours that you pitched me on the idea, I didn't like it, and it's probably because as yeah, much but, as yeah. I, by the way, this is the story yeah. of my life. Okay, doesn't, doesn't like it, and then now look, Trout's like buying limousines. <laughs> Go ahead, Trout. Sorry, what the audio? <laughs> <laughs> uh no I, I didn't like it probably because i was blinded by being so in the wine world where everything is about the single grape variety where it has to go by these certain rules uh and then probably the marketer and brand guy in me kicked in after sleeping on it for a day or two and i realized let's just make the best wine possible for the best money and that might change year over year um so, so nat what goes into that when you create that kind of flexibility is stuff that you know that i like in business which is of the moment Mm -hmm. I'm not locked into being a Merlot. I'm not locked into being a rosé made from Pinot Noir. I'm not locked into being a Chardonnay. My obsession is that if everybody who subscribes to it gets the best $20 wine, then I need as much flexibility on that as possible. So we're out there tasting, making relationships. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, that's why we did the consolation transaction. That puts us in the stratosphere. Like if you if all of you thought it was good now, wait to see what we've got cooking at 20 bucks. I mean, people are gonna crap their pants. I would have said shit, but now within the consolation world, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. About, <laughs> but you know, it's gonna be a big deal. Yeah, and and you know, speaking of changing, obviously there's a lot of changing in the business world going on right now. You know, what did you do to adjust to uh, you know the pandemic? Obviously, you know, like I'm saying. Real it quick, up. I apologize, uh, Jennifer. Yes, did he just say rosé made from Pinot Noir? Rosés are made from red grapes. So it's the skin. So like, yes, that's exactly what I said, Jennifer Dalton. Go ahead, Nat. Talk about navigating Corona. Yeah, sure. So like, you know, I'm sitting at home drinking more than I was before. Like, what have you done like to reach, oh. <laughs> reach more people? Oh. Obviously, that's probably helped with sales. Oh. 
You know, where do you see opportunity also? Like I'm a sales guy. Actually, the first time Gary, uh, I ever got to know you was I, I worked for the Yankees and you came and spoke. Oh, when I came and spoke in that little yep. group? Yep, yep. How, how did the sales team, like? how did the group like that? Because I came in hot. So you know what? You know what's great. You were, you were fantastic because a lot of the things you were saying are the things that I like razz on my bosses about. And I'm just like, can you listen to Gary? Like this dude's more successful than you. <laughs> yeah, they were just like, not. <laughs> and so and so was it two groups after I left? Like the youngsters were like, yeah, and some of the old guard was like, fuck that guy. It, well, some of it's just like, yeah, you know, we the managers like, yeah, you know, we have our process. Um, but then like a I lot see. of young people are like, come on, man, like you got to be flexible. You got to go with the times. But you know, the Yankees are run by the old guard. But at the same time, you know, we do such, such a, you know, there's such a big brand behind it that there's a lot of different things you got to go into with it. Of course. Um, but yeah, so, you know, also where do you see, um, you know, obviously alcohol is something you can sell a lot more of now. Where do you see other sales opportunities in the business world growing over the next six to 12 months? Uh, home offices, technology and other things that play towards home offices. Everybody is going to have a bigger balance of work from home than mm -hmm. pre-corona whenever we get back to normal. So I would go there. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good move. You know, sports sales is uh, a little rocky right now. So always, always looking for some uh, business savant advice. Matt, thank you so much for being on. Appreciate your time, right. guys. Take care. Congrats again. We're here now. Can I give a couple? Can I give a couple shout outs here? You can, Nate. Jeff, we have a few. You're looking sharp, and we'll be with you in one minute. Go ahead, Nate. Hey Jeff. Hey Jeff. Real quick for the new Empathy subscribers: Paul Rubin, Aim Steltzer, Craig Ernst, Paul Bonakowski, and Karen Wessling. Love it, Dustin. I have no oh, idea why thank you. Wines com is not down here. I have no idea what you're doing. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on a second. All right, Jeff Green. How you doing? I'm Jeff Green. I'm a wine director, general manager of a program up here in Newburgh, New York, up in the Hudson Valley. And uh, currently running a, a program. Uh, we've gotten the Wine Spectator Best of Award uh, four years in a row. We are currently uh, set to open another restaurant on the property, a little bit smaller, obviously with restrictions as well, with what we're all currently working in. Um, but our concept has always been about value. We want to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. And, you know, when it comes to wine, wine has been a huge part of our brand. Uh, in fact, most of the reason why people probably decide is besides the food and ambiance, but the, the wine list that we have. And, um, you know, putting together this new concept, we were looking to give everybody, you know, certain varietals or vintages from areas that they might be renowned for but might not be able to afford. But we were finding small producers that might be on the same land or might be able uh, to be declassified but still great quality. And what we've noticed is, uh, speaking with a lot of our purveyors directly, they're all expecting a lot of tariffs to be coming uh, in the near future in different stages, which is going to really hurt that whole value perception for us of the European imports. So what I was asking is, you know, for your opinion, do you think that with these tariffs coming in, because we have a, we had a Sancerre on our reserve system that I could get at $15 a bottle. Um, and now it's going to go up to 23 and probably even more. My dad's dealing with that at Wine Library. It's going to lead for you to start looking at regions like Quince and Terrain and yeah. This is going to hurt the upper echelon of, this is going to hurt that 25 to $30 range yeah. of French and German wines. Because to your point, you, uh, you, my dad, they're going to walk away from Sancerre and they're going to start looking at terrain and, and it's just going to change the dynamics. And some of those categories are going to be strong enough to become a new echelon. People are going to start yeah. buying 
$35, $40 at retail, $100 Sancerre at restaurant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, the tariffs are going to change the game. So what my thought was too is that perhaps this might sway their perception value in domestic wines where... Or, uh, or, no, or, or notice that I didn't say... Yes, yes. yes. Uh, or, or it's going to allow things to emerge. Yeah. Uh, to your point, listen... One of the, I mean, I wish, I actually have to figure out how to do some Wine Library TV. Literally, in the prime of Wine Library TV, I was so anti-California Chardonnay, and even more, yeah. I didn't even think there should be any Sauvignon Blanc in any of California. Like, none. Yeah. Over the last 10 years, my palate's changed. Yep. And I can't believe how much I like certain California Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the producers out there really started realizing that they, they don't want oak bombs anymore. They don't That's want right. the, the, the buttery feeling. They want a little more lively acid. And then the ones that are on top realized they had to make the adjustment in the winemaking. And that's what I was screaming about back then. And, and yeah. uh, it's they cool to you. see. They, I mean, listen, it was, it was definitely not just me. But at the time, I did have a voice. And um, I think it's a better wine because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Yeah, pleasure to be Continue on. Continue success. Thank you. Thank you. I like Jeff, Nate, and Trouty. Trout, Jeff looks like your hero, like suit and tie, wine my, program. My guy. That's your guy. I feel like I ruined you. You're like a nice, proper man, and you, <laughs> then you uh, volunteered. Trout, tell everybody, listen to this, because I think this is something that I'm sure a lot of people who follow me, I'm going to get the emails and DMs, dream it up this way. Like, what was the first human interaction we ever had? The uh, Boston Wine Expo in 2008 came and volunteered, handing out DVDs back in the good old days, Wine Library TV DVDs to people who were coming by this uh, this trade booth and tasting wines and um, basically just put in free work for a couple hours by uh, doing free work and then asked, made my pitch. Trout, do you remember? I remember obviously that event because Kay Murph was there and she worked at Wine Library for four or five years and is in the wine business, 750 ML, probably killing it. She's the best human. Um, do you remember anything that stands out? I've never asked you this. We're like friends now. We've worked yeah. together for a long time. You know, obviously you watch me on YouTube videos. You're, did anything stand out from that first day of that? Just being nice, honestly. Like, I think... Uh... It's funny, like, not that I was starstruck, because at that time you were like, you know, didn't nearly have the following you had, but I was definitely intimidated. And everybody that worked for you and everybody around there was just super nice and like asked me about my background, why I, you know, why I came there that day, why I was hanging out with them, um, which honestly is like probably what kept me working for you for so long. It's that you surround yourself by nice people, really smart people, but nice people too. It's cool. Mm -hmm. All right, let's keep it going. Who was at the Boston Wine Expo with us? Brandon, Matt Sidimer, K. Murph. I don't think Ian Dorn was there, but I, I got to know him later too. Devin, what's good? Hey, what's going on, man? I'm uh, first off, man. I'm super hyped uh, to just be even on the stream. Uh, which I'm not even sure if you actually remember uh, me, but I know we met, uh, and I know you were just talking about with uh, with John there um, when you guys met, like. So you and I, we actually met for the first time at uh, CES back in January this year. Um, and, uh, we talked for a little while and, um, you were saying about how, uh, uh, you were talking about, uh, you know, just basically about your business and everything like that and what you got going. And, um, it was funny because one of the things with myself is like, we were talking 
And uh, it was funny because I kept saying, man, what if I ran into what if I ran into to Gary here? Like while I'm here. And uh, funny thing about it, that's exactly what happened. And then right after that, I tweeted it out. And uh, you eventually were saying, uh, I think Casey had tweeted it out, retweeted it. And uh, he was basically saying um, that, you know, I could, you know, come out. You were basically saying that I could come out there, get my 30 minutes with you in New York, uh, which was super dope, by the way. I do want to tell you that I appreciate that, man, uh, for you uh, being a part of that and saying that. So, uh, but anyway, first off, before I get into my question, man, I do want to give a, a, a major shout out to you all um, as far as what you guys are doing. Uh, the new acquiring that you guys just had, man, I think it's super, super dope. Thank so a uh, major shout out to you guys with that for sure, man. Thank you so yeah. much. What can I answer um, for you? Now, one of the questions that I have, yeah, one of the questions that I have, um, like me, I, I run a tech channel here on YouTube called C-Kid Tech. And uh, one of the things that um, I have to I have to ask you guys about in regards to tech, what would you say, well, how would you say that tech actually plays a role within the wine industry in itself? John, Nate, Nate, maybe you can take this one. You play a lot in this game. Yeah, so tech is interesting in the wine world, I would say, because it is a very regulated business, um, especially going direct to consumer. Uh, you have to play within the guidelines that are at a state-by-state -state level. There's some out of the, more out-of-the-box solutions for the wine business that can kind of help you build your e-commerce platform for a direct-to-consumer business. We did it a little bit differently. We kept the customer in mind first. We wanted to make the most customer-centric experience in our website possible. We wanted to have as frictionless buying as possible. So we built our website on top of Shopify Plus and then worked backwards from there of how do we need to, what do we need to build into this to make it compliant and make it work in this regulated industry? So it, it's been a pretty complex process over the past couple of years, um, but tech was kind of at the forefront of how we scaled this business. And then obviously from the tech okay. stack, you know, just obviously using modern communication to build the brand. I mean, you know, this is a wine brand that sold 15,000 cases in its first year and was all done on social, you know, so okay. there's that. And then there's in the macro wine business, when I was a kid, there was bad years with wine. And now because of the weather technology and the technology in winemaking, like, you, I mean, California makes good wine every year. And like literally bad, like literally I remember as a kid being like scared. I'm like, ooh, what if you bought it? You know, not knowing shit, like being like, oh, you could buy bad wine, bad. Like doesn't taste good at all. Now, uh -huh. you people might not like something, but it's not a flawed wine. It, it doesn't have insect issues. It doesn't have weather issues. It doesn't have water issues. And, um, and so that is a... That's been a huge game changer in the wine world. The technology of like weather and farming and winemaking and it, the advancements in technology, even in my short life, are extraordinary. Okay. Do you attest like as far as like social media to that? As far as the like the growth on how you guys were able to scale your only. business to the level of where it's only. at? Only. Okay. I mean, literally, I think the only thing we did was I was on Fallon. Other than that, like everything was social. <laughs> You know, okay. like we did a little, I mean, tiny bit of press, you know, oh, Johnny learned, you know, listen, you know, the people we worked with are my favorite people in it, but like traditional PR, is, and that was actually a really fun thing. Devin, thank you so much for being on, bro. Anytime, just hit me up Oh, yeah, yeah, anytime. for sure. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, Nate, for sure. Nate Trout, Appreciate I think you. That, thank you. Nate Trout, I think you guys probably realize this, like one of the more fun things, actually talk about this, this might help a lot of people. You were 
important cogs in the Vayner machine, ultimately ending up in a role called the office of the CEO, four-person team with the incredible Matabel Lada, who's a huge executive at the Sasha Group, Marcus Krasastik, who is my chief of staff, and then you were part of that team. Nate, you obviously worked very close to AJ. Trout, we worked a ton together. You learned a lot from Kelly McCarthy, other things. You've been around for a while. What was, what was the biggest difference between being a key cog in a machine to then being actually a partner in the actual business? John, you want me to go? <laughs> you, you take it away. I mean, it's a, it's a whole different mentality. Um, it's, you know, your business and things matter like they didn't before, you know, before you had a support system, before you had a support system of, you know, VaynerMedia, when I started there was 30. And I think when we left, it was around 700 people. So the past, the last two or three years, you know, there was a big support system around you where if something was going wrong, there was teams and infrastructure there to fix problems and, and, leaders of different divisions. You know, me and John were leading this business from day one. And thankfully we, we hired a lot of really great, smart, hardworking people to help us through the challenges. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the buck kind of stopped with us. I think Gary did an awesome job letting us run the business from a day-to-day standpoint and, you know, having us use him when needed, but allowed, gave us that freedom to run the business. So it was, um, you know, it was being an entrepreneur. It's just very different than than working in a system. And I think entrepreneurship is uh, is difficult. You know, I think that's what I learned in the first six months. Of it's not it's not a. Would you argue you know, that you had a far greater appreciation for my abilities? Yeah, of course. And I, you know, I was close, so close to you from a day to day standpoint. So it looked it looked normal. You know, when I was your assistant ten years ago that's kind of what I came into. And that looked like just what normal life was. But then when you actually have to make the decisions and you're running the business, it's a, it's a very different feeling. Trout. Um, I mean, Nate kind of summed it up, but maybe another way to say it is every single problem is your problem. Like if it's an HR issue, if it's a finance issue, if it's a, whatever it is, uh, especially when it's a small team of you know, only a handful of people, like, you're kind of dealing with everything. Whereas, you know, at a big company, when you're, you know, cog in the system, um, at the end of the day, you can always go to somebody else for help and support or, you know, go to the CFO or whoever it is and finance is their problem or the head of HR, they deal with that. Um, when it's your business, everything kind of falls on you to figure out. So, yeah. And, um, I, and I would say, you know, me and John have been best of friends for years. And so I would say that, you know, being able to, work on these problems and solutions together um, was definitely was it, uh, I was think it, a benefit. Was it hard in the times where one of you felt the other person was the issue? You know, I think, you know, when I, you know, I mean, me and AJ's relationship is different post VaynerMedia to pre, not worse, didn't get affected, didn't get fucked up, but different. It's just the real life of it. You know, there's no way that your relationship's not different, you know, was that challenging at first? The first, like Nate, John, like the first night you went to sleep and be like, "It's fucking, fucking Nate's fault." Like, like you know, like how did you go through that when you had this great relationship growing up in a company together, where you had a, where you did have a leader like me that really ultimately did take on all the pressure. Yeah. You know, so now what you real what you men are talking about is pressure. You know, like how was that to navigate when you had to go through that? 
I, uh, you know, what's funny is probably things that would have taken 60 days or 90 days to like fester before they would have gotten addressed by normal business partners happen instead in like five days, because like you just felt comfortable enough to be like, and there were only a handful of times where I think we actually had like real conversation where like, I don't agree with that. Um, and it's because we've been come up in the same system where generally we see eye to eye on most things, but, Fair enough. um, would you say the same, Nate? You're like, nah. I'm- Nate, no, Nate texted nah. me. No, no. <laughs> Nate, Nate texted me more than you texted. Nate texted me way more. It's like, it's trout. I'm telling you, it's fucking trout. You know, you were. <laughs> no, I, I would agree. I would say, like, to, to really get into it, though, you, you know, John and I were are our best of friends, but since running a business together. By the way, together- Stu, who leads creative at Empathy, pretty much puts the hammer down. Right there. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Nate. I was just going to say, you know, our relation, I do think our relationship changed slightly over the past couple of years because, you know, every single, every single day at work is, you know, us together, nonstop building this right. business. Where, where you, when and you so, with, me, with me, I had you guys dividing and conquering at times, of course, mm-hmm. cross, but now, right. You didn't want to see his face after at night. <laughs> There's, I, I have a lot of tragedy in my life. Together. All right, let's go to another question. We got some people here. I can have fun with you guys all night. Hi, Gary, Nate, and John. How you doing? We're well, Stuart. Hey, so first of all, as you've probably heard a million times now, congratulations on the Constellation deal. That is a huge, I mean, that's that's huge when it comes to accomplishing the mission that you guys are trying to accomplish with basically making the best wine available at the greatest price possible. So so thank you very much for, you. for <laughs> contributing to that mission. Um, I'm uh, the owner of the Wine on the Dime YouTube channel. Uh, so Gary, uh, Wine Library TV has been a huge influence <laughs> on what I do because what I normally do is focus around that $15 and $20 and under mark and try to do my best and tell people what is good for the value and, and what they should pair with the sink. <laughs> they need to pair it with the sink sometimes, in my opinion. So, uh, But I actually have a question for, for all of you. Uh, this is a question I've been dying to ask you. So whenever you... I have this concept of what I call a gateway wine, which is almost like like when people talk about gateway drugs, like, oh, if you try it once, you're going to do it all. Well, there's a wine where you try, and for the first time you try it, you go, man, I really want to get deeper into I this. Know, I, I want to learn everything about it. So what what were your gateway wines that got you into this industry? Nate? Mine was a, a Sea Smoke Pinot Noir from the Santa Barbara County. It was the first wine I had. Um, where I was like, wow, this is delicious. I want to learn more about this. Um, I forgot the vintage, but I, vi- I remember I was at my friend's house. Um, his parents opened a bottle, and that was like the time that it clicked. Love it. Wow. Yeah, I've probably answered this question a bunch of different ways in the past, but the one that when you asked it this time, I was like, yeah, that was it. Um, Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. And the reason being, it was like the late 90s when all of a sudden – uh, and I was like 18 years old. I couldn't even drink at the time. But like all of a sudden at my dad's restaurant, people were like, do you have New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc? And that was the one we had on the list. And then I would, anytime you pour it, you knew what it was right away. Cause they're just so distinct. Um, so that's the one for me to like kind of spark my curiosity. You know, for me, it was actually really, really, really interesting. Uh, by the time that I tell you this story about this wine happened, I probably knew on memory the rating by the Wine Spectator and Robert Parker and Stephen Tanzer of 10,000 wines off the top of my head. 
because I started reading about wine and obsessing about knowing it all at 15, 16. And the wine I'm about to tell you happened when I was 21 and a half. I had a Masi um, 1994, three, 1993 Amarone at a tasting. Oh. And I tasted it and it tasted, for the first year and a half, of, a, half a, year, half a year to year of tasting wine, it all just tasted like white wine, red wine. It tasted like wine. All the stuff I read for seven years, six years of my life, I was like, what are they fucking talking about? What, what's cranberry? I don't taste cranberry, this is red wine. And it was the first time I tasted a wine and said, holy crap, I got so emotional, I left the tasting to go to the parking lot, I went back in, called my mom in my new cell phone that I had and said, mom, it's literally, I'll never forget this, mom, it's gonna be okay. Because I had this great fear that I was gonna know a lot about wine but not like it. And if I didn't like it, I could never really help my dad do what I wanted to help him with. So I loved it because I like Snickers bars and whatchamacallit and like chocolates. It was, and it was like candy milk chocolate, not this like high cuckoo count fancy stuff that's good for your heart and you have one niblet. It was like eat three Kit Kats in a sitting good and um, it completely changed the course of my career. That's awesome, yeah. So the, the, the other thing that I wanted to, to spend a moment on is because I focus so much on value, and, and maximizing the value per dollar for when people are buying wines. First of all, I think empathy is a great value per dollar. So the mission you guys are doing, just stick with it. You, you're you going to, as you said, you're change, way, changing the world. So wait, it, wait, wait till you see what this, I mean, you know the infrastructure they have from great, I mean, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to charm somebody at Tokalone Vineyard to like, <laughs> man, let me put that into empathy red. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission in this partnership. To, like I, I want to make a seventy dollar wine for twenty bucks. That would be fantastic, and I would buy all of it. But, uh, <laughs> but one of the things that I, I wanted to ask is, so, so what are some of the things besides going D to C, direct to consumer, that that you feel can also? They still, there's still some room, and I know you don't want to give away secrets because you got up. You gotta protect yourself too, but what are some things that can be done overall from an industry that will well, kind of good news, good news, good news Stuart. I have loose lips, so you know <laughs> I think I think that um, I think you have to look at certain other arenas. Look what happened with Rosé when I left and retired from Wine Library TV and Wine Library Operationally Daily. Rosé still wasn't selling at all. Yeah, I mean, and so we have to look at new places: Clarksburg, Chenin Blanc, right? Maybe it's Idaho Semillon. Maybe it's Virginia Viognier. Maybe it's North Carolina Cabernet Franc. Maybe it's, you know, a blend of Zin and Chardonnay. I know I'm getting completely ridiculous now. Maybe it's <laughs> wine, maybe it's sangria. Maybe the, maybe the destiny of the wine business is infused with actual fruit. I don't know, innovation. The end. Yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> we're gonna, I want to get some of the people that have been waiting, so we're going to go, Stuart. Right. Keep doing your thing, brother. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Francesco Belafonte is awesome. He's doing quotes in, in uh, YouTube. It's awesome. All right. Scott S. Hey, Scott. Hey, fellas. Cheers. Good Scott. to see you. I, I, first, I have a confession to make. This is actually my last bottle of 18, and you'll know why in a second, because... 
I tell you I'm from Missouri, you will understand why <laughs> it is sitting in a family member's home right now, the 19. So I figured this was a special enough occasion to uh, polish off my 18. Still loving it. And uh, great job. Congrats. Awesome to see. And uh, thanks for spending the time uh, this afternoon and evening. So, hey, I, I was it was awesome to see you mention it. You mentioned earlier when you were doing Wine Live Berry TV about Chardonnay. And I went through the same thing. And so when I was looking for other whites, one of the ones I you mentioned, Semillon, that you know can be on the desserty side sometimes. But Viognier was one that I found that it just didn't have the butter and the oak and and all that. And so I started drinking Viognier. But it it has been amazing to me over the years how it really hasn't blossomed any. I mean, I have like for instance, my wine store, which is huge, they have two Viogniers literally like just outside the bathroom in the back like i mean that's it and it's like it is amazing to me how you know we don't see more viognier uh and i'm wondering why is that why do we not see that seems like it would be a good unique it can be dry it can be sweet because depending on who makes there, it because there's no robert <laughs> let me explain what i mean by that most of the premium wines that matter in today's world were heralded by Robert Parker over a 30 year period. The most important wine critic in modern times. Napa Valley is Napa Valley on the back of Robert Mondavi. In a lot of ways, I was pissed that my name wasn't Robert Vaynerchuk when I was doing Wine Library TV because it would have made that <laughs> statement I just made even better. Because there's no Robert for Viognier, Scott. I promise you, if I grew up in a family business that planted only Viognier and I caught the bug the way I did, Viognier would be the most popular grape in America. Love it. No, Robert. So we we got what, what, any any but thoughts what? on how we could how it could uh, yes, how it could Robbie, get here's more my thought. Yeah, here's my thought. Take advantage of the fact that nobody knows about it and keep buying it because if everybody knows about it, it's going to get a lot more expensive. <laughs> okay, we got to switch subjects. Then. I I can't I got <laughs> can't talk about that. But hey, so one other thing I will ask is. I, I, I had to check. I, this is actually the second time we've had a chance to chat. I, when you were doing the Club Empathy uh, back, what, March, when you were uh, asking people to sign up and doing the call, you helped me with some branding in my business. Immensely helpful. It's been pretty good. It is in travel, so you can imagine what's been happening post-COVID, but it's uh, hugely helpful. And I uh, even got to chat with uh, Nate and Trouty back in, uh, what, that was in about a year ago in, uh, in L.A., and, uh, but you, uh, you know, you had a, a little something that might be more important than meeting me. You were doing an entrepreneur magazine uh, interview. And I had something at that event that I was hoping I could get five minutes of your time to get a, a John uh, Hancock on this sucker. Because I've been keeping it in the in the bag for you. It's going to happen, It's just screaming, it's, it's it's just screaming for a John Hancock I'm right ready. there. So I'm ready, brother. I will you know. <laughs> it will get done when this is all over. Scott, thank you so much for hey. your support, brother. Take Thanks, guys. Good to see you. Well. Yeah, Thanks, Scott. That's awesome. Let's keep it going. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, first off, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, my question Thank is, you. I'm uh, pretty new to wine. Uh, probably really got serious because of you. Uh, bought Empathy last year. So thank you Thank for that. You. Thank, Thank you. Um, my question is, I'm kind of more interested in the professional side of it. I'm taking the WSDT level one right now. And uh, I'm eventually wanting to mix 
uh, various grapes with mead and make piment and try to start a business with that. Very cool. And so I'm a, my question is how would you know what like value of wines to, if you're new, like I am to go out and buy and try and try to see like that. Jacob, my advice in the wine world is the same I give in business now is you just got to go out and try and taste. So the, mm-hmm. the, the advice is actually just make sure you try different things. Yes. I could care less if you go Gewurz or, or Rioja or Tanat or Pinot Grigio. I just care that you try different things every time to give you a shot to figure it out. Okay. Is there, would you say a price point then is I guess I'm getting at like, so, you know, you know, kind of ignore the bottom of the barrel wines and grape varieties that you almost are guaranteed that you are getting. Uh, I think Portugal is insanely underpriced. Okay. John, I think uh, my answer actually is a little bit different than yours, Gare. I think the tasting is definitely a huge piece of it. Just taste as much as you can at all different types of price points, even if it means you taste a cheap bottle just to confirm you don't like it. Um, but knowing that you're studying with like WSET, I did the same thing with the quartermaster sommeliers. I actually oddly found that uh, I learned more just on the internet just going to like internet wine forums and talking to people and it was totally free. You learn more from wine library. TV. Yeah. Wine library TV. Yep. I'm <laughs> um, so like it, it, hey, it's Jacob, real quick. I apologize. For that. You're, you're starting to watch it, Jacob. Yes. I think I did finish episode 24 actually before what's, this. What's the biggest in, you know, I have not talked to a human being who, who's this young, who's known me, got into wine and now is going like, any, uh, this is just good learnings for me. I'm being selfish a little bit. Any, any weird, ins- like when you watch the first 24 episodes, are you like, oh, Gary's changed or he's the same or, oh, weird, he used to be like, any weird insights that I could learn from? Anything interesting? Uh, I want to say weird, like knowing that those videos go back to 2006 and seeing how you act then versus I've been following you for probably five years. Wait, uh, wait till you get to episode 55. I'll save you the secret. You hit me back after that. All right. Yeah. um, Anything to add to that? Nope. All right. Jacob, anything we, anything we didn't touch on? Uh, No, that's pretty much it. Appreciate it guys. And congratulations. Thank you, brother. Actually, Dustin, I know we were going to only, that was going to be it, but let's sneak one more in. Gary V what's going on. (laughs) What's up brother? Say what's up to Nate and Trout. Hey, what's Tyler. good, Nate Trav? Hey, hey, I, was, I just got the chat message. I was getting kicked off. Thank you for putting me on, man. It is a pleasure to be here and meet you guys. Pleasure. Just want to say congratulations to you all on this huge accomplishment. Wait, Tyler, real uh, quick. I mean, acquired is insane deal. Ty, um, Tyler. You know, the only entrepreneurs like me, I'm 21 years old. Yeah. Is that chest hair? What was that? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's some sexy shit, bro. You're bringing it. <laughs> right, I just wanted you to know. Yeah, Keep going. It, Keep going. I was just saying, you know, as a young entrepreneur, this is something, just another thing to look up to, man, for you, for you, from you. Um, but going into my questions, because I know you're living on time. So when you were 14, what what really drew you towards wine, you know, and sparked this vision of what you've now created here with Empathy Wines? Nothing. I hated it. Um, my dad forced me to work in a liquor store. I was making a thousand dollars a weekend selling baseball cards. And now I have to work at the store two bucks an hour bagging ice. I didn't like alcohol. I, I didn't drink a single thing of alcohol in high school. I wasn't attracted to that lifestyle, but what, uh, 
what attracted me was around 16, 15, 16, there was this thing going on where I was like, wait a minute, are these rich people collecting wine? <laughs> and once it became collecting, and that was my love in sports cards, I, uh, it completely clicked for me. Like completely, completely clicked. And, just put uh, you right on the page. Yeah, I was just like in the fucking game. It was basically like Frank Thomas, Bo Jackson, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, Walter Payton became Opus One, Silver Oak, Chateau Petrus, and it, that was it. And then, and then it got cool. And then the story I just told about tasting it and contasting it. And then five years later, I was all about it, and so it was really cool. Okay. And so, what's been your favorite wine you've helped create so far? Anyway, I know you got some big projects coming up. I'm excited. I would say the Empathy White last year because yeah? it was the place where we had, we had a very strong vision for the rosé and the red, but the white, we kind of went in kind of creatively. And um, I was, I, you know, I don't know how you, John, Nate, you guys remember it, but I was really focused in that session because I was like, really like, we have an opportunity here to do something different. Thoughts? Okay. Yeah, the, the, the white last year, we didn't have anything that, it was like a blank canvas. Um, which I think the rosé and the red, we kind of, it, it's funny that we're, that we've partnered with Constellation because the Prisoner was one of the wines that we really looked up to and wanted to produce a similar wine for, but the white, we really didn't have a comp. So going into it blind was actually a fun experience. Um, I think how, how our rosés have turned out, both of them have really become like a, a red wine drinkers rosé, um, which I think has hit a really good spot in the market. Um, so I, I'd probably say our first rosé. I think it was, I mean, it was awesome to have a product in the market um, finally after working on it for over a year and to get that feedback from so many different people that they love the rosé was awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to trying it, guys. I'm ordering it right after this. <laughs> I didn't want to Tyler, miss my spot. Well, thank you so much, man. Have a great night. Thank hey, you. Cheers to you guys. Thanks for having cheers. me on. Tyler. Everybody, hope everybody has a great 4th of July weekend. Nate, Trout, you guys know how I feel about you, which is that I feel you should take all your money that you made in empathy and put into sports cards. Um, and uh, I hope you do. And, you bought uh, a big LeBron, right? Nate, I heard, you bought a, I heard you bought a big LeBron. People are going to be like, Nate, you're like, Nate's like family and like, for, like real friends are going to be like, Nate, so what did you do? Like, you know, what, what are you going to do with some of them? He's like, I bought a big LeBron. <laughs> I, I bought, I bought my family a, a couple, a couple gifts. And the only thing that I did was buy a LeBron. Proud of you. Why are you wearing a sweater? It's the summer. It's a shirt. Okay, good. Oh, it's like a, it's like a new age shirt. Yeah, Trouty, it's a hip, it's Trouty, a hip shirt. Trouty, Nate's changed post acquisition. <laughs> I think he's really changed. Yeah, he's changed him. I've, Nate, I've got a lot more grays. Is what's happened. Yeah, you've, cha <laughs> you've changed, Nate. You've gone like you're yeah. cool in like two minutes. <laughs> I love you two so much, and I love you, Vayner Nation. I hope you enjoyed this hour across the board. Big shout out to everybody on all the platforms that have been leaving uh, leaving uh, wonderful comments. And I love you. Have a great, great 4th of July. Empathywines.com. We would love the support. We got a lot of wine to sell so that Nate can buy more Euro shirts. <laughs> See ya. Bye, everyone. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey podcast, Joe from Team Gary here. Today's highlighted review is Undeniable Motivation by Jared Fritz. For several years now, 
I've been listening to Gary and gaining inspiration and motivation to help me out in every aspect of my life. This is not something new to me, as I've always had a similar point of view. What I absolutely love and value about Gary's outlook is that there's always something positive in every facet of life, and he helps you pull that to the surface. Thank you. Thanks to Jared Fritz. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.